Charlotte grows, what would happen if its connection to Jesus and his kingdom ignites? That as culture walks away from the church, our city runs towards it. That a generation would rise up as the living embodiment of God's love. And what if that love sparks a movement, transforming our city by beginning to erase the history of division, raising a banner of unity over the region in the name of Jesus? And what would happen if the passionate people of God became known for building bridges across the divides of our city? That leaders in every sector and community become the building blocks of connection in Charlotte. And what if one of them was you? Lighting the path for our city to find dynamic life in Christ. That together, we will create new tools, make new friends, and find new ways for reaching the disconnected. What would happen if we give everyone an invite to the table, believing everybody has something to bring and every generation some wisdom to share? What if we believe God could change our city in the next five years? We're asking everybody in so that we can invite everybody in. Good morning, Forest Hill Church. Do you believe that? Do you believe what we just sang, that God could do something new in this city? Well, this is a moment, this series we've been in, this, this time that we have together right now, and I'm so glad you're here with us, whether you're watching online, listening to the podcast, or in the room, this is the time where we might see him begin that kind of movement. My name is Jason, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you're with us, uh, because we are talking about our new mission and vision. For the last three weeks, we've been looking at an identity that God has formed in us as a church and this direction that he is sending us out on. And today is the last day of that series, the day where we get to kind of put an exclamation point and say, we are all in. So I want to tell you over the next few minutes about where we're headed and about what kind of special moment you have found yourself in right here. And you know those special moments that come uh, often in our life whenever we get invited to a party? You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the thing where you get the invitation from somebody to come and to be a part of a celebration that's just incredible. You know from the beginning that you do not want to miss that thing. Like uh, where's my middle schoolers and high schoolers in the room, right? So you know like the, la the end of school party at somebody's house that's got the pool in their backyard and like you know everybody's gonna be talking about it all summer long, so you've got to get there. Or, um, or high school or senior skip day. I promise I won't rat you out to your parents. Like senior skip day, we still do that, right? Yes? Yes, okay, we do. God, I know it's, we lost an hour of sleep. Come on, you gotta get with me this morning, let's go. Josh just set everything up. I can only fail from this point after what he just did. Uh, those moments where maybe you're home from college, you know, and you've got like the friends who gathered at Thanksgiving and you, you haven't had everybody in the same place in a while. You know what I'm talking about. For, for me and my wife, Jessica, one of our favorite special moment gatherings uh, are weddings. Part of it's because I, my job and then just our age and stage of life, we get invited to a lot of weddings. Uh, and like that one, that was a fantastic one last year. Um, man, the sun was really bright though. <laughs> Look at that squint. Special, I should have run that by her before I put myself up there like that. But um, weddings are one of those moments that you get to show up and when you get the invitation, you look at it, you know, and you're like, I'm, I'm going to that one. Whether it's the venue, you know, an incredible place to go be with friends or the DJ or the band they've hired or, or just because of who it is and the story God's been writing with them, you do not want to miss out. And one of the really cool things about going to a wedding and being part of that is that you're actually, and I actually get to participate in God making something new 
Have you ever thought about that before? Like that moment in a wedding, God takes two things that existed before, puts them together, and he starts something brand new with brand new possibility and potential and a future. And it's just, it is just an amazing thing that we get to be part of it. Well, that's what today is. This whole series is one big invitation for every single one of you to come in to God starting something brand new through this church and in our city. And we believe that what he's going to do over the next five years as we confidently, courageously follow him into the future will blow all of our expectations. So we started a couple of weeks ago talking about this idea of how we came to this place. And as a leadership team and elders and staff, as, as we began to feel God narrow us down on what we're going to be about and where we're going. And I told you, we started with this passage of scripture, this text that really just lit a fire in us. And I want to share it with you again. We're going to read through it because it's really the, the backdrop. It's behind everything that we do. So I'm going to ask if you're able, as we get started today, if you're able to stand, would you do that? And we're going to read from 2 Corinthians it's chapter five. It'll be on the screen for you. Chapter five, verses 17 through 21. This is a summary of the story of God's work throughout human history. Here's what the writer says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given them, us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he's committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. You guys can be seated. In four verses, Paul encapsulates what God's all about. The fact that God made us to be in relationship with him forever and it, early on in the game, humans, we all chose through Adam and Eve, but we've all ratified their decision every day since, chose to rebel against his way and to become separated from him, to miss out on the life that he always intended us to have because we wanted to do things our own way. And God just looked down at us and he said, I am not willing to allow that to be the end of the story. And so he began this project throughout all of history recorded in the Bible of moving toward us and making a way for us to find our way back to his family. It's called reconciliation with him. And this verse, this chapter right here says that he did that by taking the highest possible price that he could pay, by taking himself and his son Jesus and paying the debt that all of us owed. So Jesus lives the life we're supposed to. And then in this unbelievably horrific, brutal murder. He gets killed, punished, the innocent one being punished for what he did not do so that God could then look through that prism at you and me and all of our failure and say, now I see you as he deserved. It's this amazing thing that God chose to allow himself to bear the punishment so that he could set us free. 
And that message of freedom, of reconciliation, that we accept simply by saying, I trust that's enough. Jesus, I'm willing to follow you. That message brings us into a connection back with the source of all life. And so we find ourselves now living what we're calling this dynamic life of Christ. Something brand new that you and I couldn't earn, couldn't create, couldn't do on our own. That is the message of Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. And then we found in this passage that God said, now, because of that, I'm going to, here's my plan A. I'm going to make all of you who have found that life, who've accepted the invitation, you all are going to go out and now you're going to bring the invitation to everybody else. And I'm going to allow that to be the way this works. And we're all like, what? Have you not looked at me? I'm a failure. I'm not, I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever. And he goes, yep, I know it's perfect. That way I get to get the credit for it. So you just be obedient and I'll take care of the rest. And that's the story. That's how we move into this moment. So at Forest Hill Church, we've said, we are going to be all about that. That got us so fired up and excited that it's not just somewhere out there that this happens, but first in our own lives. And then one by one, invitation by invitation, person to person, we allow people to come experience what we found. So we encapsulated it all in this mission this mission statement that we have. And a mission is simply um, what we're trying to accomplish together. So our mission is part of our identity, and it's this. I told you a couple weeks ago. Forest Hill is building bridges that connect everyone to dynamic life in Christ. Building bridges, making pathways, overcoming divides and chasms that allow everybody to come and find what we have found, this dynamic life of Christ. That's our mission. And you might have seen uh, these three stripes that are up here been over my head for the last couple of weeks. And some of you are like, is that, a, is that like a clue or something? I don't understand the stripes. Well, well, here it is. It's basically just a simple way to represent connection, to represent bridge. We wanted to have something playing in all of our minds that allowed us to see possibility of connecting people to God everywhere we looked. So today, you're going to get a deck of cards when you leave and a sticker and there's a canvas outside we'll talk to you about in just a few minutes. But you're going to see this all over because we want to be about the mission all the time. We want to stay focused on that. Well, a couple of weeks ago when I first rolled that out, uh, first Sunday, I get home and uh, I got several messages from people who texted or, or sent me you know, a message through Facebook or Instagram, whatever. And they were like, man, I love it. I'm, I'm all in. I love this building bridges idea. And that, that was great. And then this one though, this girl named Lauren, she sent me a message and Lauren happened to be in the very first life group that Jessica and I were ever a part of like 16 years ago at this church. I mean, this is when like, we were fumbling towards faith and just like finding our way, you know? We were early on in this process and it was really beautiful. Lauren said, I have connected recently with somebody from middle school and, and this guy has experienced tremendous heartbreak, tremendous personal failure, a bunch of health issues, all the struggles that you could imagine and he feels absolutely shunned outside and, and impossible to get back in, to get his life together. He has no hope. And today, as we talked about building bridges, I realized I'm going to build a bridge to him. I'm going to make my way back to him. I'm going to find out how to help him get connected to God. And so she, she wrote this. It may take the entire year or longer to build this bridge, but I'm up for it. I have for the first time ever felt God moving in my life and speaking to me. It's a strange feeling and almost a physical sensation. I can't think of another way to describe it. But I want to build, capital, all of the bridges. Lauren gets it. 
Lauren recognized what we started out a couple weeks ago as the Become a Bridge Builder Challenge, how you and I can each step in individually to this. She gets it and she's ready to go. And that, that challenge is this, over the next year that we would all choose to become a bridge builder. And we gave you kind of some specifics. Imagine if you could start now uh, building a pathway, a pathway to a relationship with someone who's disconnected from God. And that you could do things like, you know, follow them on social media, have them be a part of, of your life, have them as a contact in your phone and vice versa. Like what we mean is that we could one by one find our way into a relationship with somebody who needs what we have. And that over the course of this next year, we would have a spiritual, a faith conversation with them. Fairly simple. Not easy, I get, but, but simple. And so I want you to imagine for a moment, I want you to pretend like it's December 2020. I know we, we're just getting done with like cold weather and I, this is probably annoying, but just go with me for a second. Imagine you've heard rocking around the Christmas tree 17,000 times already and you're already getting tired of it. You're sitting at a coffee shop with a person that, that you've built this relationship with over the course of this past year. And you're looking in their face and their face may look different than yours and their story is likely very different than yours. And they look at you and they say, you know what, last March when you like said hi and started talking, like, I had no idea that we'd be here like this. You don't understand how much guilt I felt in April. How I felt like there was no way that I could possibly get past the things that I had, I had done. That there was no hope for me. You don't know how much I believed that the church was a place for people that, all, that were already doing everything right. And I, I couldn't be that. And maybe with tears streaming down their face, they look at you and they say, thank you. Thank you for caring enough to build a bridge to me. That, that may be how that conversation goes. It might be that at the end of that, this year, they look at you and they say, I'm so glad you're my friend. I still don't believe in Jesus and all that stuff that you believe in, but man, it's really cool to hang out. That's okay. God's gonna do what God's gonna do. Our job is simply to build the bridge. And I wanna invite you, I wanna encourage you to step in this year to become a bridge builder yourself. Start now. And watch what God does through it. That's, that's our mission. Second thing, we talked last week about our values. Uh, that's the why behind what we do. And we talked about these four things, that we are going to stand on the essentials, that we're a church that's gonna keep Jesus first, the gospel our priority, the scripture our authority, and the Holy Spirit is our guide, that we are going to not allow culture and change to cause us to lose sight of what's most important and to lose our footing, that it's foundationally built on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and what the scripture teaches. And then we're gonna engage the next generation in powerful ways, making them a priority, not the only thing that we do, but a, but a priority, invitation to all, intentional with that group. And that we're also gonna cultivate kingdom diversity, that we believe that through intentional effort, we're gonna make this congregation and every one of our campuses and our leadership and our elected officers, they were gonna look like and reflect the beautiful, diverse kingdom of God because we believe that's what he's called us to. And then we're gonna, in response to the passage that I just read you of how God gave his very best for us, we're gonna bring our best right back. And with our time and with our energy and our money and our talents and our businesses and our car keys and our house keys and our refrigerators and all of it, we're bringing our best and we're saying, God, this is yours. Do what you will and watch what he's gonna do. That's our values. So it brings us to today. This is where we're going. Vision is a, a mental picture of a future state. 
And every single one of us has this, even for our own lives. You've got a picture of what your life should be and could be. And so do I. And churches have that as well. We, we imagine something that's wrong and we imagine how it could get changed over time and become right. And so we are going to be about this vision. We believe over the next five years, as we go strong at living this mission out, as we embrace those values I just talked about, that God would be so gracious to by 2025, we envision greater Charlotte being transformed by its connection to Christ rather than formed by its divisions. That, that rather than the, the city that we live in that has this incredible history of segregation and divide and haves and have nots and, and people who look alike only staying with people who look like that, that we could see all that begin to be erased because we chose to find unity in Christ. I, I tell couples this all the time whenever we're doing pre-marriage counseling. If you, uh, the two of you are both moving towards Jesus, if, if that is your priority, then you can't help but grow closer to each other. That as you and I, depend, no matter where we're starting from, as we both go closer to Christ, we begin to get closer to each other. We believe that could happen in our city. And it will be led by dynamic disciples who are released for kingdom impact here and around the globe. That's our vision. That in five years, the next time there's a Super Bowl ad that has Charlotte on it, it won't be a picture of a riot, but it'll be a beautiful picture of our unity working together because of the banner of Christ, the love of Christ has united us. We believe that's actually possible. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, that's pretty language, and it's, there's, how do you do that? We're, we're one church. Well, first of all, we're not gonna be uh, able to do this just on our own. We get that. This is strategically partnering with other churches, uh, gospel-centered churches in our city. It's through us planting churches. It's through us individually engaging the mission. And it's through our multi-site model continuing to expand. We know this. We're gonna use every tool at our disposal to see this thing happen. And if we believe, if we will trust that God is behind it in the work, anything is possible. So that's where we're heading vision-wise. And, and that's how it happens. It happens with every one of us coming in. So let me tell you real quick, uh, and this is gonna feel like a lot of information. Write it down. I promise there's stuff on the website. You can find specifics, but I know many of us like specifics. So for the next like seven to eight minutes, if you can just stay with me, I'm gonna get through information and then we're gonna talk about some fun stuff, okay? Yes, you're with me? Okay, here we go. Five ways that we together, a group of individuals, are going to do this. The first one is we are going to gather together. We're going to gather up. Um, that's worship. That's this. Do you, do you know that, that there's something special that happens when the body of Christ, when people are in the same room at the same time? There's nothing that can replace this. And so we're going to continue to be about that. There are moments, and God does things here, that just it can't happen anywhere else. So we're going to continue with gathering together. The second is that we're going to impact there. What's there? By there, I mean everywhere outside these walls, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in our communities, uh, around the world. So, so it starts with us individually living this mission, and it begins as we, uh, through uh, groups of each other and through our campus connections, we impact, we don't allow this message of Christ to stay only inside the four walls. And right now, at every one of our campuses, uh, we've got partners that do this work. We've got folks we serve with. Yesterday at the NOTA campus, there was a group gathered, 120 folks that like went out in the two-mile radius around NOTA and just served the heck out of that community, whatever they need. We're going to keep doing that. Every campus has those partners, um, and you've been a part of that. You're doing great stuff. 
But we're also gonna continue with our global reach because Jesus said, I want you to go to all the world. So we do that. Every campus has a, a country that they partner with um, from Guatemala to Honduras to the DR, um, all kinds of places around the Caribbean rim and Central and South America. We go to those places and we bring compassion and we bring mercy and we do what Jesus said and we go serve wherever we find needs. But there's this also this opportunity that we have right now that I wanna tell you about. There's a really important part of the world called MENA, the Middle East, North Africa. And in that part of the world, uh, there is this, it's, where, it's the Muslim part of the world that has suddenly, in many ways, become open to the gospel. Particularly, there's a country called Tunisia. It's uh, Northern Africa on the Mediterranean. Tunisia is a place where um, uh, about 1600 years ago, the Council of Carthage, which was a part of giving the canon, the Bible to the world, happened. And the, the, it's basically like the Tunisians gave the Bible to the world and almost immediately the door closed and was locked to the message of Christ in that place. And for 1,600 years, it has not been possible to talk about Jesus, to begin to live out faith in Christ in that country. There are about 1,000 believers in Tunisia out of 11 million people. And we have this opportunity through a partner to start the church of Tunisia together. Now, I know that not every single one of us in this room will go to Tunisia, but here's the thing. By being a part of this church, you're a part of that happening. And so we've got this amazing opportunity to watch God do something just like he did in the first century of the world's history. And it's because we have this partner in Cairo called Casar el Dabara. A, a, an incredible church with huge reach that we've been engaged with. And they do ministry here in Cairo. We went a couple of months ago. They do ministry in a world that is very divided, a, a world of paradox, much like ours. Uh, there is this first generation Christians right next to devout Muslims. There are um, absolute poverty combined with just incredible, stunning wealth. It's, it's people living a modern life in an ancient city. I promise you, they have every kind of division that we have. And so as we sat there, the pastor, Sam Maurice, is uh, a guy that I just am absolutely um, infatuated with and want him to be my mentor. Uh, he's gonna be here in May and he's gonna be talking to us about this. But as partners, we said, hey, Pastor Sam, how could we learn from you to be better at bridge building? How could we accomplish what you guys have accomplished? Six million people weekly watch their services and are being impacted by their discipleship. And so as we sat down to talk about how to work together, he had a few things to say to us. So I want you to check this out. I've been learning so much from you in just a few days. Thank you for that. Um, one of the things you said, and you just mentioned incarnational ministry again, and you were talking about uh, Castro Debarra's work in Cairo and New Cairo. And you said, uh, being incarnational, there's so many creative ways or innovative ways uh, to bridge, build bridges for the gospel. Uh, that's language that we're using at Forest Hill right now as we're for the future. Same thing, building bridges, how do we become that? What are some of the things that you um, would tell us, kind of help us learn as we're becoming bridge builders? What should we keep in mind, do you think? Search for the need in the community and serve the need, fill the need, then the door will be opened. Uh, we found that we have so many drug addicts. If we serve them, then we are building bridges because they have to come to us uh, uh, because we have the solution. They don't have 
any facility to play sports, then sports can be a wonderful language. Maybe in your country, everybody has the, the, the capacity to go and play in, in schools and clubs and everywhere, so this is a, a relative to you. But for us, it's very powerful. So I have to find the need in my community and go and fill them and serve people. The family, uh, the um, um, loneliness, um, um, suicidal, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know better, so yeah. find the need, serve the actual need, go to them beyond your own. Don't wait for, the, for you to come to you. Then God will open the door through uh, serving uh, with the love of Christ to uh, deliver the message of salvation. But first, open the heart and then speak to the mind, but touch the heart first. Yeah. So actually, this is the power of the body of Christ, mm -hmm. that we are mosaic. We are not the same. Yes. The Jewish and the Gentile, this is the power of the first church, that the, the enemies became family together. Yeah. The poor and rich, the masters and the slaves became family, became brothers and sisters. He said, we're a mosaic. That, that as we work together across all those divides, and remember I told you this a couple of weeks ago from the early church, like that was the Peter and Cornelius story. That's how Antioch started. That's it, they're living it and we're gonna live it too. That as you meet the needs, as serve the needs of the communities around you, you will find an open door to be able to speak the gospel. So Forest Hill, we're gonna continue to be about that and we're doubling down on making an impact in our communities. That's how we impact there. The next thing that we're gonna do is we're gonna link up. And by that, I mean finding community and growth here within the church. And a couple of ways, I mentioned my life group, uh, the first one that I was in just a few minutes ago. Life groups have been a powerful tool at our church for the last decade or so. And we'll continue to make those places where people find a home and connection, find community and prayer and scripture. But we're also gonna point those just a few degrees outwards. We're gonna have those become little bridge building communities that allow us to always have an open seat. That for anyone that you happen to come into contact with that needs to come in and on a personal level experience this dynamic life, that they can do it through there. Because, hey, here's a, here's a hint, newsflash. Not everybody uh, really likes their first experience with the gospel and with Christianity happening from somebody like me talking to them from a stage. Like, that's just not the way everybody comes into this place. Usually, it happens one-on-one -on -one relationally. And so our life groups are going to become uh, little communities that bridge and, and build bridges out and that connect in that way. But also, we're going to start a program of mentoring. There is uh, coming very soon uh, through this church, there is going to be an opportunity for every single one of us to find our place in mentoring somebody who's a little bit uh, behind in the faith whether that's your age or whether that's the time you've walked with Jesus, uh, whatever it is that kind of makes you able to be just one step ahead, we're gonna build relationships that help to bridge the generational divide here too. And mentoring is gonna be a powerful part of how we move into the future. So we'll gather together, we'll impact there, we'll link up, we'll invest here, continuing to volunteer. Right now, there are folks back here in our kids' ministry that are teaching kids the gospel and making sure that they don't grow up without understanding what that means. And we're gonna keep volunteering there as connections folks. Um, all over our church, there are opportunities as well as giving. And I wanna remind you to stay involved there. Find your place in it here. And then finally, we're gonna engage online. 
This is probably the newest thing. We've already got a website and all that kind of stuff, but, but what we mean is we're gonna intentionally begin to invest in the digital space being how we carry our faith from Sunday to Sunday. So if you got your phone with you right now, go ahead and pull it out. I promise it's not gonna bother me. Um, I'll just like say filler words for the next like 10, no, I'm just joking. Uh, pull it out because I want you to do something real quick. If you don't already follow Forest Hill on social media, like Instagram or Facebook, I want you to go on it right now and, and follow because we're going to build through that a way for you to get um, daily more value, more growth, more connection through digital. Because look, we're all wired all the time. Every single one of us are. We, whether it's next gen or the oldest person in the room, you're using this space. And we believe King Jesus said that everything in the universe is mine. And so I'll take a part of that digital space. I will use technology to do what I want to do. So uh, we've got a new podcast that's about to launch called Bridged. It's talking about how to build connections and erasing divides. We've got weekly content that'll come out to help you connect. And all you have to do is follow Forest Hill. And then if you do, use this hashtag, FHC Everybody In. FHC Everybody In. Or you can go to our, uh, a new website that we've got here called FHCEverybodyIn.com. You can point people to that if you want to hear more of any of the messages that we've had so far. If you want to hear more about the strategies, that's all there for you. But we are going to go um, all in on digital. So those are kind of the five big buckets. Now, here's the thing. Everything rises and falls on leadership. That's why Jesus is our leader. And there are some of us here at the church that are on uh, something called the executive team that are sort of the under shepherds of Jesus. And then we've got a council of elders that helps lead. And I want to show you this picture. Um, we, are, uh, we just put together also a senior leadership team for our church the group that will help carry us into the future that I just described. And the reason I want you to see it is because um, I told you one of our values is cultivating diversity. And I want you to see that at the highest level of our church, we are not just talking about an idea of diversity that we aspire to, but we're putting our money where our mouth is. And we've got people who are uh, brown-skinned and light-skinned and old and young and some really old. I won't point out which ones those are. But, but you know, like we've got a, a mix, married status differently and gender different. We believe that this is gonna help us to move into the future in effective ways. So there's, your, there's the leadership team. We're going to do all this through something called geographic saturation. We're just going to try to take the greater Charlotte area and saturate it with the kingdom of God. And we'll do it through multiplying leaders. Many of you, we want to be able to equip you over the next months and years to be kingdom leaders in your business, in your marketplace, to use your influence to bring the gospel to bear in the places where you are. We're gonna to continue to build diverse culture. We believe our campuses should be more diverse than any of the communities they're found in because we think that's what God would have. And we think with King Jesus in here that we are better than culture as far as the way that we uh, line up and add people up. And we're gonna to continue to missionally engage this, help every single one of us find our individual way to own the mission. And we're going to reach next gen. And when we do all this stuff, Charlotte can be different. You believe that? You think it's possible that if we actually live this out, and if God chose to, through his spirit, inspire our effort, do you think actually that this place could be different over the next five years? Can you see it? Can you imagine that this place would find um, a new reputation, would find a new unity? 
Because here's the thing. We live right now in a, in a city, in a divided area, from Concord to Rock Hill. All the things that I told you about the last few weeks, all those divisions, they're still real. But this is, and we are the link between the present reality and the future possibility. God choosing to bring his kingdom to bear is what makes all of the difference. It's, it's what will change it. Because here's the truth. We've got generational gaps. The millennials in Charlotte. Charlotte is the second fastest growing millennial destination in the country right now. Austin, Texas is only faster. And I think South by Southwest getting closed this week. That may change it all. We're moving to number one. Um, the reason that I say that is because there are a group of young adults who have moved here and they're a part of our city that desperately are looking for this. Many of you are in the room right now. But here's the truth. One third of millennials say they have no faith involvement whatsoever. Generation Z, the youngest generation we have, are two times as likely as all other generations to become atheists. We live in a city that's 39th out of 40 large cities in social and interracial distrust. I want you, those aren't statistics alone. I want you to look at faces. Those are people that if we don't do this, if, we, if God doesn't choose to use us as a part of all the other churches that are in this city at finding a way to reach and rescue people, to invite them in to the invitation we have found, you're looking at one-third of them ending their life without a connection to God. And the next generation, it looks even more dire. But here's the thing that I believe, that that's not the end of the story. That God has positioned us as a church uniquely right here, right now. He's given us this mission and vision. He's given us these resources. And these resources mostly are you. That, that every single one of us, we are exactly where God wants us to be. And that if we do this, we could see all of the trends erased. By 2025, the number of people who are um, not church people, not spiritually connected in our city, the overall number is supposed to go down by 10%, which equates to 250,000 people in the greater Charlotte area that are separated from God. We're not gonna let that be the end of the story. We're not gonna allow that to be the truth. So we'll do whatever it takes with whoever it takes partners in Cairo, Egypt, and people on the other side of town, and you and me right here. And we will say we are standing to see this city transformed by its connection to Christ rather than formed by its divisions. And we're going to be the ones to lead it as God pushing us forward. Do you think that's possible? Do you want to be a part of that? Because that's the only question, right? The only question left is, are you in? Am I in? Are we willing to make our life about something bigger than just our life? When we shrink our life to the size of just our life, we miss out on everything that is dynamic about the life Jesus wanted to offer us. You can end your days with fat stacks and a nice career and a great family and all of that and still have only lived for yourself and miss out on being a part of a movement. And that's what God is starting right now. And I want to invite you to come in to this party. I want to invite you today to say I'm in and to be a part of because we need you. Millennials, you have passion for justice and you have passion for Jesus and we need you to help point us the way. High school students and middle school students, you guys need to show us how do we connect and reach those who are younger. You have a part to play in this, we need you. Parents of kids right now that you're raising like me, that we're in the thick of it and, and we're in the middle, we have the access code to the next generation. We need you, we need, you. We need each other. Folks who've lived a little bit longer and you got more scars and more wisdom and more experience, we need you 
to take the resource that you have and the disposable time that you've earned and we need you to invest that in somebody who's coming up behind. And there's a place for you and an opportunity for you like never before. We need all of us. We need everybody in because God wants everybody in. And I end with this idea. To to show you just one example that our God has always been an invitational God. Jesus tells this story. It's in uh, Luke 14. And he's talking uh, at the table about how God is wanting to bring more and more people into relationship with him. He's talking about an invitation. And it's interesting because he's with the religious people. He's with those who are, uh, at that time, the Jews who are leading everything and, and they think they're already in. And, and uh, he's, he's telling them this story. And I particularly want you to pay attention right now if you're a person who is not yet a believer in Christ. You've been coming, you've been around, you're checking things out, but I want you to listen really close because this invitation is for you. Jesus looks at the faces around the table and he says, let me tell you a story. There's this master. He's throwing a wedding feast, the kind of wedding that you don't want to miss out on. It was a huge party. And he had so much resources. This thing was incredible. He said, go invite all the people to come. And he sends out these invitation bearers. Now, in the time when Jesus is telling this story, in that culture, a party like this was certainly the highlight of your year, and it could be the highlight of your life. To be able to come when you lived a life of subsistence, just hoping to survive, to find enough food for tomorrow, when you were a hungry person and someone said, I want you to come. I want you to eat until you're full. You wouldn't miss out on that. Jesus tells the story. He says, the servants go out and they make the invitation. And a group of people say, eh, no thanks. I got something better to do. It's like they got the invitation to the wedding in the mail and they looked at that RSVP box and they were just like, nah, I don't know. They couldn't imagine what was possible. They couldn't accept the offer to come and find life. And the crowd who's sitting at the table with Jesus, they're like, this is a joke without a punchline. Nobody would do that. Who would not come into this? I mean, it's everything that we want. It's everything that we need. Of course they would come. And Jesus says, well, here's the deal. The ones who thought they deserved it, they were on the outside. So he says, the master looks at the servant and he says this in Luke 14, 21, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city. Go out quickly, there's urgency. Go and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. In other words, go out around you and find all the people that don't think they belong, that think they've already messed up, that think they're too far gone, that think it's impossible to get back. Go grab them. I want them in the party. (laughs) Master, the servant says, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. We've invited those people and, and they're coming, but... But there's still space. Master, your house is so big. There are so many more seats at the table. What do we do? And he says, then the master told the servant, then go out into the highways and the hedges. Go go farther beyond the city. Expand the borders of who gets invited in. Go to the people that not only they don't think they could come, but you're going to have to convince them. Because he says, go and make them come in. Compel them to come in. 
argue their way in, not argue from I'm right and you're wrong. Argue, say, I know you can't believe it's possible, but God loves you this much. He wants you connected to him forever. He wants to give you life with him for eternity. He wants to set you free from your addiction. He wants to set you free from the burden of your sin. He's offering freedom. Come. I know you can't believe it. We don't believe it either. Just come. Everybody come. And he says, because I want my house to be full. Forest Hill Church, we can do that. We can be the kind of people that go out and invite. And for those of you who are in this room today, I want to start this season of our new vision. For those of you who are in the room that you say, I'm not a Jesus person, I want to ask you right now, would you consider? Would you consider coming in? You've had that invitation in your hand for a while. And I want to ask you, could you possibly hear right now inside your soul in the deepest part of you, God saying, say yes, I love you. Come in. There's a seat at the table. If that's you, as I close in prayer, I just want you to pray and say yes. Because here's the truth. Jesus wants everybody in. I pray that you'll say yes today. So Father, for those who right now are considering in their heart, their palms are sweaty and it's, their heart's beating fast because this is one of those moments. God, for those that feel that, I pray that right now you would be heavy and powerful in grace. That what you would give is a picture the freedom that you died to offer us all. I pray, God, for those who believe that they're too far gone, that it's been too long, they failed too big. God, I pray that right now you would speak life into them and hope. Lord, I pray that you would bring dead people to life in this moment and that that would be not just this moment, but the hallmark of what we do together as a church going forward. I pray that you would transform our city by your love and that we would just get to play a small part, our part, responsible for that, but a part. I pray you would make us bold believers. God, would you help Forest Hill to be more innovative than we've ever been, more grace-filled than we've ever been, more welcoming than we've ever been, and more urgent than we've ever been because you want your house full. So God, start with me. Start with each of us. Show us how you do this thing that you do, this miracle of causing eternal life to be born in human hearts and freedom as we get connected to Jesus, your dynamic life. I pray this in your resurrected name, trusting that you hear. Amen.